Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Better With Running podcast, where we'll be interviewing an absolute weapon on the track, roads and cross country, Olympian and run to PB coach, Madeline Heiner. Along with this, we've also got a special guest coming in very shortly. But first, I guess I'd better introduce myself. I am Matt Davey, and alongside me, and on the other end of the line, I have my now nemesis and recently turned 40 co-host, Zach Newman. <laughs> G'day, Matt. Thanks for that intro, although uh, you've added an extra year on there, so I uh, appreciate um, that little jibe. Still feeling, <laughs> the, still feeling it from uh, the little result that I paste, posted today, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, before we get into that, before we get into the details of that um, on how you uh, turn the tables on me, um, let's uh, let's set the scene. So over the we- Easter weekend, uh, Run to PB have been promoting a virtual 5K, whereby we've given our athletes the opportunity to test themselves against the clock. So something to target in between cracking open some delicious chocolate from old mate Easter Bunny. Uh, so we decided this would be the ideal time for it. Um, and as one of our core values is to completely personalize programs. So having those three days, so the Friday, Saturday and Sunday, gave us so much scope to be able to set those programs um, and get people involved. And so our response was astounding. We had over 70 um, of our athletes lining up and shooting for a time, uh, many of which achieved a, a best time for the distance or, or very close to. Uh, but I guess the main thing, and we've been talking about this, Zachary, is is that um, as coaches, we love to see athletes just having a real crack and putting themselves out there and um, getting behind others as well who, who are also doing the same. So what did you find um, w- with your athletes and, and everyone that you saw from Run to PB having a go? Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And um, I know when we, we, we broached this subject of the virtual run because – you know, they've been taking over our Strava feeds and Facebook and all the rest of it. And um, we ummed and armed because ummed and armed because we really thought, do we 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 want to respect that people are um, you know at different levels and their different fitness levels at the moment and they're obviously going through outside stress. So we were we're really mindful of that when we put this forward. We didn't make it a mandatory thing. We didn't we spoke to all the coaches and we sort of thought let's um, give give athletes an opportunity because a lot of um, a lot of runners are feeling that you know missing that um, opportunity to do a park run every week or you know have have some of their goals or, or goal races that have gone um, kind of out the window at the moment so we were mindful of yeah um, also not um, you know using this as an opportunity to really go and um, bury yourself and call in of half so um, (laughs) all the coaches were really um you know from my perspective really um smart about the way they put these in the program not everyone did it and that was and i think that's kind of a good thing that um we were able to really personalize it and adjust it to where people were at um i mean i personally had a few athletes who just you know they're either coming back off an injury or Mm. um they're just not quite ready for it so we just look there's there's always going to be another opportunity i'd rather them be in a position where in four weeks' time they can actually, you know, do, participate rather than trying to force one out, um, you know, just for the sake yep. of getting getting some Strava fame. Um, <laughs> some but, um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, look, I mean, like I touched on, it, it was overwhelming, the, the um, you know, the positivity and the, how the community has come together, um, you know, the run yep. community, um, seeing everyone support each other and, um, yeah, it really turned out great for a lot of our athletes. Oh, absolutely. And and we had athletes 
um, rolling out times, whether on the track, on the roads, on the grass, um, some even on the treadmills and then even on the trails as well. So it, it wasn't just about trying to set your fastest time. It was just getting out there, having a crack and, and, and enjoying it and having some fun at the same time. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, sorry. And, and we, uh, we even saw like from, from far and wide, we had people from Brisbane, um, Sydney, Perth, Melbourne, you know, the major, the major uh, countries across Australia, Canberra, um, Horsham, Sapphire Coast, um, even from the Lake Boga project and then across the ditch in New Zealand, um, I think even across to Texas and Canada, um, just to name a few sort of different locations where we had people lining up and, and having a crack. Yeah, and I think in these, these times where we are you know, practising social you know, distancing and we're not able to train with with our the larger groups and um, you know even our training partners, um, this was um, yeah it was a really good way for everyone to sort of connect and, and look at um, you know having a go over the weekend and um, not so much comparing times, but it was more just uh, we're all sort of in this together and um, going out and and uh, enjoying running for what it is um, and yeah I think that really came through with with the enthusiasm and and really the whole group's um, support this sort of um, event. Yep, absolutely. And, and um, just on that, so um, before we, before we uh, bring in our, our um, guests to talk about how they uh, went with their 5K, um, how do you go, Zaka? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, look, just to give some listeners some, some context, <laughs> and uh, Matt and I have, have raced each other for years. I'm talking, yeah, I want to say Ooh. 10 to 15 years. We've yep. been on the circuit or the AV circuit, I guess, and and actually travelled over to Japan and, and raced each other. So we've um, done a Chicago. lot. Chicago, yeah, like, and we, we've always um, you know, we've great mates, um, you know, business partners as well as as um, as competitors. But it's always friendly competition, and we're always um, throwing around a bit of banter around our own, um, you know, <laughs> different fitness levels. Um, I'm always probably. Uh, given a little bit more than uh, I should. And, <laughs> and the previous few times, it's um, come back to bite me. So I had a bit of pressure to turn the tables today. But, um, yeah, it, it went well for me. Uh, and it was it might have been a different story if you were um, on the same course. I'll put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, so I, I decided uh, I looked at the weather on, um, on Friday night and I was tempted, very tempted to – to uh, change it, change my um, attempt to the Sunday, but I thought, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it and just, just pray for the best, really. So I went out on Saturday morning, uh, just around to Mornington, and uh, did my warm up. Didn't feel great, but as soon as I got into a few strides, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm bouncing. I'm, I've got a bit of pop <laughs> here. So I, uh, yeah, I had a bit, had an attack, and and there were hot. The wind was wasn't um ideal um but i had mostly a tailwind from the for the first i don't know six seven hundred meters of the first k and and hit the first k in about 303 um i was like oh this is good gave me quite a bit of confidence but yeah turning then into the headwind it it sort of (laughs) backfired a bit but um yeah i i I, um was was happy with the result i ended up with 1545 um, but I think the hardest part actually was with it at about 4k, I, I, um, went past, uh, 
five sets of, of people. And I've gotten into this habit of uh, holding my breath um, <laughs> to make sure I don't ex- don't breathe in the expelled air from the people that I'm that I'm passing. So at about four k, I held my breath about you know five times <laughs> until oh, wow. he passed out. <laughs> um, and I even did it today on the long run. Just every time I ran past someone, I'd hold my breath. Just um, yeah, <laughs> doing some okay. hypoxic training, really. Yeah, um, well, okay. Yeah, then got the got the arms pumping and finished it off to a fifteen forty five. So I was happy with that result, and I thought, you know what? I don't reckon Zach has got it in him. To uh, I reckon I've put the pressure on here. I know he'd had a heavy night or or a late night. Um, <laughs> the night before so he, he might be might not be feeling his best but no nah, you came through with the goods today and i was uh yeah i was, I was uh i was very impressed with that run zaka and you went the multi-lap course yeah yeah i did so there's a 1.5k loop um so whether it's yeah gps friendly or not um it's, <laughs> yeah i haven't got the wheel out but yeah. It, there's a good chance it could be. Um, yeah, when the multi-lap course, just because the wind, it, it gives you a bit of everything in, in a whole lap rather than just going out one way into a like exceptionally strong headwind and then turning back and trying to kick it home into a tailwind. Um, but I've actually been um, in contact with Hamish Beaumont. So he's the Melbourne Uni or Melbourne Uni Ath Club, knows everything about it, just checking in with him um, yeah. and just seeing if he's actually knows any of the age group records that, <laughs> you know, you, you, yours might be able to come under. So yeah, it could be a, not just knock me off. You might actually might actually uh, pick up an age group record, Zach, so you should be happy with that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I, I've probably um, I've been walking around with a walking stick for most of the Arvo, so... <laughs> Uh, definitely feeling the 39 that I am now, not 40, which you incorrectly oh, yeah, sorry, uh, stated. Sorry. Might at, have to edit um, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my um my plans um kind of went out the window. I was I I had planned to do it Saturday, and then Friday night came, <laughs> and my birthday was on Friday, and um a few of my mates organised a bit of a um as as all the cool kids are doing now a Zoom party um. <laughs> So we we uh, had a had a couple of sips on the um online and uh, that turned into a one a.m. Um, finish for me, which is well past the, <laughs> my bedtime. And I was I was I was struggling on uh, Saturday, so I shifted it to um to Sunday. And then I, I kind of um thought, all right, if I'm let's think of this as a Sunday race, what I would do, and uh, I generally would do a bit of a shakeout um on the Saturday. So I went out at about um, 5 36 o'clock in the Arvo. That was probably when I was back um, in the living world, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Off the couch. <laughs> um, how would I prepare? Um, so, yeah, I kind of use it as a as an opportunity to practice that routine the next day and um, having that opportunity to, I guess, um, these virtual races is that we're building our own um, race on our own course and our own, on our own terms. So yeah, I, um, I went to Yarra Boulevard and um, went over there and uh, something that I've been on that course a few times for the half marathon and I've, 
probably knew it was a pretty friendly course time-wise. Um, <laughs> it's a tactical, tactical move, yeah. <laughs> road course. Um, it's a wide road. I don't know if, if people have been out there. It's um, it's pretty wide. Um, there is a fair few cyclists, but because it was a bit wet, there wasn't a heap there. Um, so, yeah, I just enjoyed sort of controlling that, um, you know, the start time. I sort of set a, a set, you know, time and did my usual warm-up and strides. And, um, yeah, it got going and I was pretty aggressive early and I thought oh, I might be in a bit of trouble here early. <laughs> and by chance, I um, a, a training partner of mine, Alfred Fiala, um, who I, you know, run with a lot, um, he happened to be doing his Sunday run and he ran past and he sort of looked at me like, what is going on? Cause I was like race face um, <laughs> on the road, just hammering away. And uh, he said to me, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and I said, Oh, I'm in trouble here. Um, just got to hang on. <laughs> and he asked how far I was in and I said, I was 2k in into a 5k. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, I kind of just got back, got my head again. And, um, I think I used this. It was I hadn't raced for a while, and it was a good good opportunity to practice a few of um, a few techniques. Where in sessions you don't tend to go into the well like this, and um, I was able to dig myself out of a hole. I sort of got into a bit of a tough position where I thought, oh, I might just pull off here and just <laughs> feign an injury or something <laughs> at like three point five k. Or I was just like, this is looked at. I don't usually look at my watch. Um, in races because I tend to use the um, people around me as guide. So this was a different way of doing a race. So I, or hard effort. I, so I actually did look at my watch and I, I saw 310 pace and I thought, well, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the, uh, on track with him, but I'm going to have to get going here. And um, fortunately I did, but it was tough. It was a really good learning experience I guess for maybe just um working through some tough um tough patches um yeah drawing on training and just a lot of positive self-talk and uh yeah got there in the end and got a few kudos on Strava yeah I was um yeah pretty happy with that it was um <laughs> always good to get a bit of kudos on there <laughs> And even a comment from Andy Buchanan, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I'd say someone's hacked his account because surely uh, <laughs> Andy's not. Andy doesn't give out comments very easily. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I was. I was um, I, when I finished my long run today, I was straight onto the phone <laughs> checking to see if I could, I could check up any results. Yeah. So um, no, I think it was just it. It was it was it was a fun thing to do, and it's something that we're going to do. Um, like, a, I don't know whether, whether it be once a month or once every, every couple of months whilst mm. we, whilst no races are going on. Um, and it just, I, from the comments that I've had with uh, my athletes that it's really increased their and improved their motivation even, um, to set some goals for the future. Um, mm. and, and, I, and I, th- I think it's, it's, yeah, just, just something that we're just going to have to adjust to that without those races is, um, is having a crack over those time trials and 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 practicing like you're saying there, practicing some some strategies you, you can use. So when we do go into um, some races, um, yeah, you, you've practiced them yeah. and yeah, you can employ what what you've seen. As yeah, well. I mean, you can you can actually you know, and I'll, I'll talk to a few of my athletes about this. Is you can actually 
be a bit brave with things and you can try and, um, you know, go on um, positive split or negative split. You can do different things that you may be a bit more apprehensive on a race day um, setting and not be afraid to try, um, you know, different techniques and you can really, um, yeah, I guess use this as an opportunity to, to practice racing. And I know training, um, you know, and I, I really believe there's that, you know, training your body and your mind at the same time and, you know, whether they're in, in sync or not. And, um, you know, sometimes your mind wants to go faster than the legs, but, um, you know, it's, it's, and, and vice versa. So, yeah, it was a really good opportunity. No yeah. No, it was, um, yeah, really interesting. And, um, you know, I guess for, and, and taking perspective from it, and that's what I've, I sort of feel with a lot of athletes who did it and didn't get a chance to do it. It's like, maybe they did it as a session or just as a build up run, but, um, I feel, you know, let's not, people get caught up in this sort of comparison world on Strava or this person did that and that person. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's really important to sort of just run your own, as cliche as I say, but just um, run your own race and your own story and your own mm. timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I was, what, um, nearly a minute off my PB, but I was bloody stoked with my yeah. race or my run. Um, and yeah, just like seeing people have a crack, putting themselves out there is, um, is what, what we like to see. And, um, and I think a lot of people are getting something out of it. Sure. Cool. And we've got a guest on today who, who ran, uh, she went and ran her, um, she actually ran a PB. Um, so that was a good result for her. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. So let's uh let's get her on. Let's get her on. All right, cool. Lauren, thanks for joining us here on the Better with Running podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Just for the uh the listeners, um, I've been coaching Lauren since um twenty eighteen. Um, she was actually one of the early um sign-ups or early athletes um with run to pb um so we've we've been in touch for uh, over two years now and um working together there's been um a few changes in your life um in that in that journey where um you've had a, a recent addition to the family um not so recent anymore <laughs> yeah eight, well, that's... eight months today oh well wow. <laughs> i don't know yeah. where that and how's that all <laughs> yeah and you've adjusted to, um, yeah, mum life? Oh, um, I, I've probably had it a lot easier than some. I've been able to start working from home um, in the family business, which makes a big difference to not having a commute anymore. Um, I mean, current situation notwithstanding. Mm. So it's, I've probably had it a bit easier than some. Also, my mum lives with us. So having a third adult in the house with a small human is just magic. <laughs> yes, that's handy to have a bit of extra help. <laughs> and what do you do, Lauren? Um, it's a strange sort of thing, but we're, we're actually in financial services compliance. My husband's a solicitor. I'm technically speaking a professional maths nerd and I've done a... <laughs> Massive 90 They're the best degree. people. <laughs> no, no, we, when you have the kind of person that's into running and the kind of person that's into mathematics, you're at the very thin edge of the wedge with respect to being antisocial. <laughs> and anyone who sees my Strava will see that I pretty much run in the bush now. So. Yes. 
You've got some um, some great loops up there where you are, um, Anatili, and you've got some challenges um, in that neck of the woods. Because <laughs> I remember when you were working um, in the city and you were running in the city at lunchtime a lot of the time, heading to the MCG and towards the tan. Yeah, I used chain. to yeah. shoot across there and I was allergic to hills um, and now I sort of I have a full kilometre worth of <laughs> hill on the way home. Don't believe hmm. a thing you see on Strava with respect to my elevation profiles because it always makes me look like I've run a net downhill and I run <laughs> up and back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Strava sometimes uh, stitches us up. <laughs> Hey, um, so we, we wanted to get you on because um, we wanted to obviously introduce you to, to the community, um, to our listeners, as, as well as um, talk about yesterday's um, cracking run at the, in the virtual 5K. So you ran 20.56 according to Strava. I, that was, we'll call that the official time. Um, how did that all pan out? That was quite a surprise. I... Hadn't, I've never raced a 5K and I've never done a 5K time trial um, before. You know, my, my previous Strava estimated best was actually a couple of weeks earlier just during a tempo run, which is because um, mm. I, I rarely run a distance that short. My love is just long, slow plods. So I, I had a look at my previous estimated best, which I think was about 22.15-ish. Cool. And had a look at, well, the, the workout I'd done, you'd set me on the Wednesday, was 5 by 1K. And I thought, well, that had 60 seconds standing recovery between and I had no illusions that I could recreate that total time. But I thought, oh, yeah, if I can get close to 4.15s, I'll be happy. And mm. then the A goal was sub 21. Yeah, you got it. You yeah. got that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, because we've we've obviously built up um, to the marathon before, and then we've had um, obviously, as you mentioned, you you had a break and you came back, and we have sort of um, had to do do a build and um, navigate through. You've done a couple of pram runs in there. You've you've um, obviously adjusted with uh, a different lifestyle of running at different times and fitting things in when it was possible <laughs> um and it's been great to see that comeback and and yesterday was um was awesome to see you run that time yeah thank you it's when I first I, I was six weeks um postpartum when I decided I was going to go for my first jog um, I'd read I'd read a minimum of six weeks off and I'd also seen that you should ideally take 12 weeks off but I was getting a bit stir crazy and at that point <laughs> I was running about six minutes 20 per kilometre and that was just about all I had to give at that point and it's been just really gratifying to slowly chip away at both the pace but also the distance I can run. So are you just listening to your body then? To Yeah, just so, going yeah. by feel and I, I think, I, I wouldn't say it's got, had anything to do with having the baby, but being forced to take that time off and to just completely lose your fitness. I mean, I ran up until 33 weeks when I was in a car accident, not yeah. my fault, I hasten to add, um, but minor car accident. 
and <laughs> losing the fitness slowly that way because that's inevitable. And having gone through that where you really have nothing but to run to feel and if you don't, you put Bub at risk, it mm. taught me a lot about keeping my easy pace easy because I, I think, Zach, you'll agree, I... I used to run a lot quicker than I ought on my easy <laughs> yep. runs and I would continuously yeah. have no faster than 540s on my program mm. and go, yeah, yeah, for the first K. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then everything was pretty much 503s or just under yeah. five. So, Jeez. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, <laughs> it's quicker than you, Zaka. <laughs> I know. I, and I, I can actually, I think I, I used to use that line as a, hey, hey, you're running faster than me. I mean, <laughs> and I didn't but, um, for one second and just kept yeah. going yeah and um yeah and it's it is it's one of those things where with patience and yeah, learning and getting that probably in, in, intuition with your body and and just um yeah learning to go by feel and it's it's really paying off for you now yeah i i struggle with the voice in the back of my head that says your easy runs and your marathon pace were pretty much on par how do you think you can possibly hold your marathon pace for a marathon anymore when you're running your easy runs so slowly? Um, mm. And I just, that, that's been the other reason I've made a real concerted effort to run on hills because I can speed up downhill, mm. that's fine, and then I can ease off up a hill and just think about the total exerted effort. But the numbers that I see on the pace are meaningless compared to what I used to run and it forces me to have that really that big distinction between what's easy mm. and with yep. that turn in that pace you've got in the legs now the turnover and as we start to sort of slowly build towards I know we talked earlier in the year um pre pre-COVID uh. about races and this and that we 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 threw around ideas around Great Ocean Road I think and um yeah, some other ideas, but yeah, right now we're just um, like everyone else, just taking it in uh, week in, week out, and, and being appreciative that we can run. Yeah, exactly. I'm so grateful to live, uh, uh, you know, live outside of Melbourne, up nearish King Lake, and I have forest on my doorstep. So no matter how restrictive the the you know the lockdown, for want of a less um, intense word becomes mm. I've always got that there I can get out and without putting anyone at risk just still go and do what I do so yeah mm. I'm very grateful for that I'm also grateful for having a 50 acre backyard because to be honest my leisure time really hasn't been impacted at all by this and I'm in, in an incredibly fortunate position <laughs> mm. you make a good course around 50 acres uh, <laughs> most of it's divided up into into paddocks, unfortunately. But, uh, Set your own segments around there. I was going to say, you'd have a few crowns around the... Um, around yeah. I have Untouchable crowns resisted around. Yeah. the urge to put segments up there. <laughs> yeah. And how'd you go? So obviously King Lake's quite, um, quite a hilly area. How'd you go about co- choosing a course for your 5K? Uh, I ran up and down our street there there isn't there's a flattish area but subtle gradient um but I just used the slight undulations to my advantage and then just pulled back on the pace when I was uphill it did mean that the last 400 meters was uphill 
and I was absolutely digging with everything I had to get up there. Um, like it's certainly not a grinder of a hill, but after 5K when you've never run that mm-hmm. quickly before, it um, certainly <laughs> puts some lactic through you. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah I, it did result in hairpin turns and I'm pleased I ducked under the 21 because if I'd come really close the mm-hmm. other side, yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. have been really... 20 sounds a lot better. Yeah, I would have been really <laughs> tempted to tell myself that I lost a couple of seconds each time I had to turn on a dime and go back in the other direction. <laughs> and well, you... <laughs> you guys are... I was going to say, you... Um... I use the fuel cell New Balance. Um, so I see you're of, um, obviously a, a big fan of um, the local running um, scene and the local running shops. And I think you um, – I remember seeing a post. I think you you'd, um, did a bit of stockpiling of <laughs> racing shoes and running shoes with um, with the running company down Ballarat. Yeah, it's it's a little distance to get to. I've, I've also done a couple of social runs with the um, running company Clifton Hill when I worked mm. in closer mm. to there. Um, but for me, it's actually easier to go all the way around to Ballarat than it is to worry about getting into the city sometimes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So, yeah, I go around and I buy three pairs of shoes at once because just before <laughs> I met you, Zach, I actually... Yeah had a pretty bad injury where, and it was basically a repetitive strain type injury where I was predominantly running on a treadmill and I had one pair of shoes. And so yeah. every single foot strike was identical because there was no change mm. in the in the surface and my shoes were exactly the same each day. So it loaded up the same place. Kind of yeah, thing. loaded it yeah. and it just popped. I went from running four-minute Ks on a treadmill for 5K one day to not being able to walk the next day and um, Mm. took weeks and weeks of physio. And that was around the time I started to actually listen to different running podcasts and start taking an interest in the scene and (laughs) came very close to hitting myself over the head because I realised how (laughs) stupid it was to do what I'd been doing and how it was an inevitable result. So it, it's taught me a lot. I rotate through minimum of two pairs of shoes. Now I've got the two pairs that I jog in and plus I've got the field cell TCs for sessions and harder efforts. Nice. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, it's, it's good advice for people as well to sort of look at, mm. um, you know, their footwear and um, work with the specialist store as well because they're, they're going to assist you in, um, in, in guiding you in the right way when they learn about your running and, um, yeah, and their own company is um, one of those special stores that I know a few of us have um, all all um, purchased some shoes from recently. Yeah. I, I think it was, I think it was Julian from the Ballarat store once said that it takes 48 hours. Oh, gosh, I hope it was him now that I'm not just putting words in his mouth. Um, but it takes 48 hours for most shoes to recover after you've run on them for your average run. So you need a minimum of two pairs of shoes so that you're, you're not recompacting the phone too soon. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that before so as no, well. So no getting the uh, uh, New Balance fuel cells out today then? No, no. Today I was in a, a about a 600-kilometre-old pair of 
um, Vimero 14s and yeah. I'm on fire trails through the, the forest and I felt every stone. I thought, okay, it's time to bust yeah, out the new yeah. ones I just bought, I think. Yeah, yeah. I saw you got your um, your nice Sunday run in and you got hour 20 in, so that was um, a nice recovery run. Yeah, I'm, I'm that one you've got to put on the choke chain on a, on a Sunday. I'll yeah. just keep going. Yeah, yeah, there's a few like that, but um, <laughs> that's all good. No, but, so um, yeah, your um, your sort of um, favourite distance, I guess, is, is looking towards more the marathon, half marathon, but having um, had a crack at the 5K yesterday, do you, has it sort of inspired you to, um, yeah, yeah, go around some, some park runs when everything opens up and, and try to dip under 20 minutes or anything? Like what's the sort of goal there? Absolutely. I had in my head that I'd like to start going to park run and as soon as Edwin was big enough to go in the running pram, so at about that six-month mark, and, of course, just as that happened, we started to get into the, the new world that we're in. So I thought, all right, well, I'll just put a pause on that until we can go back to normal. But, yeah, absolutely. Now that now that it's, um, it's one of those things, once you get a PB, you're really happy about it, but the next thing you think is, oh, how much closer could I get to the next yeah. round number? That sort of thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, classic runner's mindset. That is, that is the runner's mindset. It's um, yeah. it's that paradox of you know you you get happy, you get a PB, and then you think, oh, I can always go a bit better, or I can get, always yeah. find something, or if I did this. But it's good to get you out the. It keeps you getting out the door. It's just um, managing those expectations as well. Yeah, and it's. For me, I've really got to – now I'll need to do something else or I will pick at that 5K like it's a sore. Um, <laughs> I, I'll yeah. need to do something completely different that is yeah. completely incomparable and sure. just go back yeah. to looking at something longer. Um, I've got really short legs, so I've always seen myself as someone that, you know, I'm never going to be quick over a short distance because my stride length is so small. But if you have a long enough race – I'll be able to keep going and everyone else will, I won't be, they just won't make it. <laughs> Zach has got a pretty, Zach, you got a pretty small stride length too, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I weigh that, about that. 10 kilos more than Zach or even on the same height. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Good, good point to uh, round it up here because I think Matt's about to start unleashing more, um, <laughs> more cheap shots. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on, Lauren. I know um, you're, you're obviously um, busy up there as well, um, looking after everyone. So um, no, I really appreciate you and appreciate your support. It, um, I see you, you're back and forth on um, Strava with a few of the other underpaid members. I think um, Sauce has been getting stuck into <laughs> you as, as per usual. So, I'm just glad uh, I'm not yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, good choice. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks so much, Lauren, for coming thanks on. Thanks very much, guys. No problem. Madeline Heider, welcome to the Better With Running podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Zaka. Nice to be here. It's good. It's always uh, it's, it's a bit bit different having you on the other end of the phone when I'm uh, often. I guess at the moment we're not running so much together, but we've done quite a few runs over the last few years together. We have. We got to celebrate your birthday on Friday with an easy run around Prinny Park, which you uh, didn't let me know it was your birthday, but I'm told it wasn't a significant one. Yeah. Um, 
retreat now rather than uh, the normality, which is frustrating, but at least at least we still get to do them. It is, yeah. It's, it's strange um, running at the moment. I mean, it's great running at the moment, but the dynamic of not being able to do the bigger group runs and, and um, even group training sessions, um, yeah, it's, it is quite different. It is, and I think... Um, it's almost bringing everyone back to kind of questioning why they run and hopefully people are finding the right reasons. But um, I think, you know, we've all kind of scaled things back and are focusing just on easy running and mileage. And, um, you know, that's from every level of runner. So uh, I think it's a chance to kind of, yeah, just remind yourself why you're running and, and pull things back and maybe take a few less risks and um, just get through this very <laughs> unique time. Yeah, for sure. And there's, there's, um, I think people are um, taking that opportunity to go back to basics and, and enjoy running for what it is. Yeah, hey, exactly. um, I want to give the listeners uh, a bit of an intro. Um, your <laughs> resume, um, you know, it's, it's pretty extensive, so I'm not going to go through all your national titles. and all, <laughs> But um, I do want to give the listeners um, just an understanding of... Um, you know, what you've achieved and um, maybe a little bit outside of running. And we're going to touch on that. But um, let's just um, talk about um, where, where you've come from. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about um, your journey. And there's been um, quite a bit to it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, for the listeners, um, Madeline is a two-time Olympic finalist, uh, including – so at Rio, finished uh, eighth in the – No, seventh, thanks. Seventh? Oh, oh. yeah. Is that, <laughs> hang on, is that because of an upgrade or? No, no, I um, was over the line seventh. I, I, I feel that I should be upgraded to sixth given the winner was, um, has been doing a doping ban now, but no, seventh, keep going. We'll see how you go. I with don't the rest know, of the- I'm going to um, <laughs> make a complaint to um, whatever website I found that on. But, uh, oh, no, yeah, oh goodness, maybe something's that. happened that I'm not sure. Maybe I came eighth in the 5K sure. by now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe... um, Sorry, I'll I'll let you keep going and then I'll correct you. (laughs) Okay. Okay, is this right? Two-time top eight at the Com Games? Yeah, that's probably right. (laughs) Uh, Two-time national champion, 10-time Australian representative, and that could actually be um, a few more now. You're making me question myself. But um, anyway, we'll we'll dig into the details a bit later. Um, You are a pharmacist, proud mother of Pickles the Pug. I'm sure <laughs> yes. um, pickles has been a familiar side on a few people who have uh, who are following you on Instagram. Um, pickles <laughs> does get a bit of a run. Um, in fact, you've got a few followers. You've even got the um, the blue tick, which um, not many people can uh, attest to. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Madeline, yeah, that just um, appeared one day, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it, take it. I um. Madeline's running your resume, yeah, I mean, it, we, we could go on for a while about it, but I think we're going to talk about a few of those performances and PVs. But also you've, um, you've gone through these high, the highs and lows of running, some injuries, um, some comebacks, some, some time away from the sport, and, and most recently um, a double hamstring surgery. Um, huh. And that's seen you take that long road back um, to running competitively again. So, yeah, yeah. that's... That's in a short summary of, um, of where you've sort of come and where you are now. Yeah, and I, I should just add in, um, just because I cut you off, yes, yeah, so I think, I, well, I was seventh in the steeplechase and tenth in the 5K in Rio. That's fine. I'll, I'll have a go at the research. Um, to <laughs> <that one. laughs> um, 
I'll, I'll whip through just for some God's X your PVs. Um, I want to start with your 800, 210. <laughs> well, I think that's what it technically is, but I, um, I did a mixed race in Wollongong with, in 2016 with, um, I remember Jenny Blundell was there, Gary Howard, um, coach of uh, Run Crew in Sydney, helped pace me. And I think we ran like a 205 or 6. So oh, wow. it was official makers, but it was a mixed race. So I don't think it quite counts. Um, not on world athletics stock. I'm going to, I'm going to take that one. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Um, 1500 in July, um, Belgium, Houston meet there Four oh six for the 1500. Yeah. Um, mile 441 in 2006 at Melbourne. Yeah. It's the last mile I ran on the track. (laughs) Yeah. It's not something that's regularly run obviously in Australia. Um, three K eight forty four. uh, there was another one in, uh, that was in Hen- Henslow, was it, in 2015? Yes. Uh, your yeah. 5K, which we uh, talked about before, a um, 15.04 at mm. Rio. 10K, 31.41 in the US. That was in 2017. Your 3K, again, back at Rio. So you had two PBs in the Olympics, 9.20. And yep. I've got a, row, a couple of road ones here, 1625 at the Noosa Bolt and yeah. 3221 on the road. Uh, must have been yeah. Sydney. Um, Sydney Running Festival, maybe? Oh, road. I think it was um, Sydney Harbour. Um, oh, yeah. 10K in July. And sorry, I should just say that Rio one's obviously the steeplechase too. Yes. Sorry, just, did I say yep. that steeplechase? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Nice one. So yeah, I've a huge um array of PV, you know, great range from the fifteen right through to uh yeah, moving out to the ten. And uh when are you gonna suit up for the marathon? Is that the thinking <laughs> it had to that PV yeah. list? No. Uh, I love the idea of a half marathon. Yeah. Um in my mind the training's not that different from a ten K and I'm sure it absolutely is, but um, you know, that's how I'm rationalizing that. But no, I think a marathon would, I'd, I think I'd be one of those people who's quite lucky to get to the start line of a marathon. I'm not sure how well I'd handle the training, but uh, <laughs> hey, women can run for a very long time as we're starting to see. So mm. you know, maybe, maybe the desire will start to come. Um, I really want to run one, but um, I'm not sure if I, if I really um, see myself being exceptional at it, but we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. So, so when I was doing my research and it was a bit of a shabby job, obviously, but, um, <laughs> we, and we spoke and, and let's be honest, we spoke about this, uh, when we had a run and I said, look, I want to get you on. I want to talk about your journey. And, and, um, we, we had a pretty open conversation and I said, look, um, yeah, I think we were both of the, um, I guess on the same opinion that you've, you've actually been on a lot of podcasts, you've done a lot of interviews and, more professional and better, more research ones than, than this one where we've really gone through that story about a lot of your races and your journey. And, and I guess we, we wanted to probably reflect on more of the latter years and some of the issues and struggles you've been through um, as an athlete. Um, so yeah, that's probably where we're going to take um, today's conversation. Um, but yeah, look, I, um, I do see when um, you look at your results and you look, back through your career it's sort of in two parts there was a junior a junior range where you made you know you went through the ranks and I'm not going to go on about all the, 
to state teams you made, the nationals, and you went to um, world junior champs, a couple of world cross teams. Yeah. Then 2006 to I think 2013, it was it was pretty much radio silence from your end in terms of the running uh, side of things. Um, yeah. Take us through that time and, and that break you had. Yeah. It's funny. I think the more time that passes, the more I reflect on it differently. Um, and I think that's just me understanding myself a little bit more and, and realising kind of what the barriers were. But, um, yeah, obviously things were good when I was a junior. And um, I... I think I, I mean, I got injured when I was in, in 2006 for the first time. I had an ITB injury um, and I really wasn't familiar with failure <laughs> at that point. Um, pretty much everything I tried to do, I'd achieved with running and um, all of a sudden, you know, there was this barrier um, and I was due to go to World Juniors, ended up withdrawing from my second World Junior team. And I think just the uncertainty that comes with an injury as to you know how long it's going to take particularly a tendon one or an ITB one um, and then I guess just those questions of whether running was going to be what it had previously been you know whether my performance would be as good um, I think those thoughts really um, affected me a lot more than I realized um, and I always had a great support team you know I had a great coach Dave Chisholm uh, he was back in Wollongong I was in Sydney um, and I had access to psychologists and um, you know, dietitians and every type of support that there could be through um, the New South Wales Institute of Sport. But I, I don't think I really reached out to those services um, or other athletes, you know, to ask them of their experiences coming back from injury. So I think it was a combination of me genuinely finding other interests, um, but also a real hesitation to kind of, um, you know, put myself back out there and um, potentially fail um, and whatever failure was. But, you know, for me at the time, it was failed to make an Olympic team, which, you know, potentially I could make in 2008. Um, and just all of those types of things and being beaten by people who used, you know, I used to beat and really, really trivial things that, you know, now are just part of part of what sport is and, and part of trying to be better than, you know, you were yesterday. But um, I think that really was a big part of what kept me away for so long. Mm. Um, and then me finding my way back was, you know, genuinely a, a mistake or an accident. Um, I had kind of had a false, uh, I guess, attempt one to make a comeback uh, when I was living in Tassie in um, Launceston in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, 2011 is one year before 2012 Olympics. Um, and I can't remember what the time was, but the qualifier for the steeplechase um, for London wasn't incredibly difficult I think it may have been something like a 950 or ballpark around there and um you know I'd only run a few steeples as a junior but I'd run 955 so I had you know a bit of a thought in my mind that hey you know I can maybe make that team um but in all honesty again I, I probably wasn't prepared for um the work that it would require um and I think I still just had too many doubts to really um just take a risk um, so when I was in Launceston, I, I linked up with Peter Fortune, who's a really good friend of mine. And, uh, Fort tells me I lasted about six days. I'm pretty sure I lasted <laughs> a month under his guidance. It's, it's pretty hard running in Launceston in the middle of winter. Yeah. Um, not great. So you really need to, to love running before you start. Um, but yeah, that's fair to say that didn't really take off. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the next attempt was, um, which, you know, obviously stuck was, uh, when I was living in Adelaide in 2013, mm. um, I had, 
I'd known Jess Trengo for a really long time and I knew um, her coach, uh, Adam Didick, who became my coach. Um, I just knew him socially, actually. And yeah, I just, you know, one day said to him, do you mind if I come to training? And Adam and Team Tempo were, um, you know, really welcoming to everybody. Um, and so I sort of, you know, went once a week and then twice a week and finally let Adam write me a program and, and things kind of came back that way. But um, I think I just approached the running really differently, um, which was, you know, strongly guided by Adam's influence of just getting out there and enjoying running. Um, and I was finally able to do that. Yeah. So just, just quickly back on that 2011 mini comeback or attempt and it <laughs> didn't really go anywhere just from your own sort of um, motivation or I guess um, fear of not making that team. Did you, did you ever think maybe, you know what, I'll just, I'll just, I won't return or I'll, I'll might oh. just be better just to go back to what I was doing for the last few years. Absolutely. I, I vividly remember doing a 1K session with um, James Hansen, who's now, I think, a 338 or so, 1500 meter mm. runner. Um, and we're doing 1K reps along the tail race in Launceston for anyone who's down there. And I, I don't know what I was running them in, but, you know, I think I'd be lucky to have been under four minutes, which is obviously uh, not a good <laughs> starting point if you want to go to the Olympics in 12 months' time. Um, and I just remember it being a lot harder than I thought, you know. Um, and everyone who starts running knows how hard it is or um, anyone who starts running after a break, you know, knows how awful it feels. But um, I just didn't really give myself that chance. But uh, no, when I, when I stopped running in 2011, I remember sitting down with Ford actually at a coffee shop and I said to him, yeah, I'm not too sure about this anymore. Hmm. <laughs> and Ford, hey, you know, why is that? And I said, so what's the plan? You know, I try really, really hard and maybe I get there. And Fort said, yeah, that's what yeah. sport is. Hmm. Um, and I remember saying, I don't think I, you know, I'm willing to take that risk. Um, and he was great, you know, and he said, that's fine. That's, you know, you've got your own journey to go on. And um, yeah, I really didn't have any intention of, of trying again. Hmm. So then landed in Adelaide and started to link up, like you touched on before, with, um, with Adam's, uh, Adam Didick's group and the Team Tempo. Um, that's when you, did you start to kind of, you know, get running again and start to think, um, well, 2014 Glasgow Com Games, maybe that's a, a bit of a goal. Like, is, is that sort of how, when you get running again and, and in a, in a training environment and, and around other runners or start getting fitter, you kind of get a, a goal in mind or, and would you almost say that you have an all or nothing approach? Oh, I mean, I think if I was honest, I'd have to say yes. Um, goals are huge, aren't they? Um, you know, it gives you something to, to have that purpose for. I, I didn't kind of start with Com Games in mind. Um, I'd done a 10K in Adelaide before I joined Team Tempo um, and I ran 40 minutes and something, 40 minutes and change. And that's when I kind of, and I think I came, you know, second or third in the race or something. And I thought, wow, I could maybe break 40 minutes. Hmm. And my goal um and so i you know joined up with adam for a few sessions a week and then i think maybe two months later i ran 35 minutes and then the next month ran 34 and it was kind of just that real you know excitement that you get when you run a yeah. pb um where you improve you know it's it's um it's a, you know amazing response that you get and um feels good and 
um, I think it was in about September of 2013 that I, I remember, you know, going for a walk and calling Adam before I'd said this to anybody. And I just said, hey, Adam, let's give Com Games a crack. And he said, okay, you know, I've been hoping you'd say this. Um, what do you want to run? And I said, oh, beggars can't be choosers. I'll take anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so we ended up running the time for the steeple and the five, but um, just getting the spot for the steeple. Um, and yeah, just all sort of went from there. Um, was it a bit surreal to be back in the frame for a team and like, you know, obviously running 40 minutes for 10 and then, you know, obviously getting back and going through, through the motions of, as an athlete where you're building and seeing small improvements and then to actually get to the point where you could put yourself in contention to make a team? Yeah, I think I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have at the time. Um, you know, I kind of realized where I needed to get to in a pretty short period of time. And, um, and I was lucky I got there, but, um, a few things stand out. Like I remember running my first race on the track at an interclub was a 1500. Um, and yeah, it was the beginning of 2014. So it had been eight years since I'd been on the track. Um, and I got put in the B race at an interclub race. And to me, that was fine, Mm. but I do remember lots of sort of coaches around thinking it was ridiculous, you know, that I'd been put in this B race and. Um, I ended up time trialing. I don't know what I ran, but, um, you know, that gave me a starting point. And then I went and ran my first steeple, which um, I think I won and missed the qualifier by like a second. Oh, wow. Um, it's horrendous. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it was lucky the time was not very challenging in 2014. Mm. Um, but it was, oh, I think I was dragging myself over the barriers. Three <laughs> K was a really long way when you've not done it for that long. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you know, it was just kind of all right. Obviously, it's within striking distance now. Tick that box. Um, so I think it, it was only when I was selected that I remember really feeling the emotions and I remember crying, you know, happy tears, obviously. Yeah. Um, I remember getting my first, you know, when we got given the tracksuit in, um, we're in Newcastle in the UK for a holding, uh, holding camp mm-hmm. and, um, you know, got the tracksuit and um, I remember crying because that was my goal was just to get, uh, a senior tracksuit. That's all I wanted was just being on a senior team. Mm. Um, and then I remember actually after the race in Glasgow, um, I finished fourth and, you know, was disappointed, but also really happy. And, um, I remember running around the village with Adam, you know, midnight or something doing a warm down. And, um, you know, we were just both so excited with what I'd done and what what we'd done. Um, so yeah, they're kind of the, the moments that stand out, but I think the rest of you, kind of a balance you need to um sit back and be proud of what you've done but you also kind of can't take the the foot off too much for sure and 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 just hearing you say that about glasgow and probably glazing over it you you finish fourth behind three kenyans um who dominate the steeple and always have and they're very tough customers when it comes to the steeple but then yeah you ran a pb so you ran 934 you were ahead of um jen lacaze or now gregson um who you've you've had some battles with um, over the years and steeple and you're together at Rio. Um, so yeah, I know you, you are, um, you probably mark yourself pretty hard given that you were, you had such an amazing comeback uh, to get onto that team and your first senior team. And did that making that team that must've sort of elevated your sense of, I can mix it with the best now. Yeah, it did. I'm, I'm quite a harsh critic of myself. Um, and so I remember finishing and obviously being really happy with fourth, but then looking at that time and realizing that there was still, you know, a really big step um, I needed to take in order to, 
you know, really be any type of a factor in, in races around the world. Um, and again, you know, on reflection, I wish I'd kind of um, appreciated what I'd done a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I, I considered kind of cutting back work at that time, I remember. And I, I had, a, I think, an arbitrary number in my mind of, you know, sort of you know, running in the low 920s or sub 925. And it wasn't until I got to that level that I really would consider myself to be a world-class athlete. And, um, you know, that didn't really help me in some ways. I mean, I got to that level quite quickly, but, um, you know, eventually it caught up with me. I think just um, being so hard on myself and sort of yeah. working myself in, in all avenues. But, um, yeah, so I, I do remember, you know, walking back and thinking, wow, I want to do that again. Um, but also you've got a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. Can that be a tricky cycle to get into as an athlete and at any level really is that you set a goal, you chase it and then you get it and then you go, well, what's next? Which it's, it's great to be hungry, but sometimes yeah, finding that balance around appreciating what you've done, appreciating the journey, but then not resting on your laurels. Um, is that something you're always working around as an athlete yourself? Yeah. And I, I think, Absolutely. Um, in terms of running, but I actually think it kind of, um, you know, carries across to all areas of life. Um, and you're actually just thinking of, of run to PB. That's something I've tried to communicate a lot with my athletes in the last little while is, you know, we're all in this unique space where we're experiencing stresses we're not used to or challenges we're not used to. Um, and to some extent you need to be kind to yourself because, yeah. um, you know, that's important. Um, but also, you know, you don't want to just lay on the couch all day. Um, mm, mm. Kind of this balance between asking, you know, yourself to push, um, but also respecting the time that you need to do the opposite. Um, and I feel like now when I say that, and, uh, you know, I'm still a work in progress with that very much, but I feel like over the last 12 months post-surgery, actually, I've become much better at really um, acting that way. Um, but yeah, before I think it was just constantly that pushing, um, pushing myself rather than letting things just, um, absorb and enjoy, you know, the process. And I absolutely did enjoy the process, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's taken me a long time to kind of look back and realize, wow, that was actually really good what I did. And, um, you know, I should have maybe appreciated that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's also hard as athletes and as runners is that we're wired to be quite, <laughs> stubborn i guess to push through pain and to always you know push ourselves to the next challenge and i guess that's um that's that hurdle we're also facing um you know when we're when we're hard on ourselves as we probably shouldn't be sometimes but yeah constant um challenge for all runners out there i think yeah definitely yeah hey um wanted to move on to 2015 because that was a big year um for you um looking yeah. at the the results, um, you obviously went to Beijing for your second champs, to, uh, second um, Aussie senior uh, team, mm -hmm. the world champs. Um, then, now did you run that eight, you ran 8.44 that year in that 3K we mentioned in the, um, in the profile. Was that pre-world champs or post? I'm yeah, we, um, it was all pre. I had a, a really amazing sort of May, June um, in 2015. Um, and it was a bit of a learning process for both Adam and I at the time. Um, he'd never had an athlete go to Europe, um, you know, for track races and, and I'd obviously never done it before. So I think we, we front loaded the year a little bit um, too much. Um, 
but you know, at the same time, it's really cool that I got to run those races. So I don't, I don't really have many regrets, but it, it meant I was a little bit um, overdone by the time world champs came. Um, so that, uh, that, yeah. Sorry. So there was a 15, 11 in that, that year as well. Was that mm. pre yeah, Peyton Jordan where you were six, was. Yeah, six all time at the time for that one. Um, Australia. Yeah. Mm. 2015 was the first year where I had the opportunity to get into a lot of really good races and I absolutely ignored <laughs> any concept um, of jet lag or fatigue or um, just common sense in traveling around the globe. Yeah. Um, so from memory, I, I finished in Australia, then I went to America, um, ran that 5K, then went to the UK quickly for a stopover in Loughborough, then ended up in Doha, ran a steeplechase PB, got back on the plane, went back to the Europe ran in Rome and ran a, oh, maybe it was Hengelo, ran us yeah, the PB in the 3K flat, then ended up in Rome, ran a PB. It was a whirlwind. Um, I think went back to Loughborough, came back to Australia. And then I think by the time World Champs actually came around, I was, I felt like I'd done a great job of the year, but I couldn't really be bothered. Um, <laughs> it's ex- it sounds to- <laughs> exhausting. I mean, you know, rack, yeah. up, rack up the frequent flyers, but like managing... I'd- that yeah. life on the road, like, you know, you were back, you know, previously pretty stable in Australia, I guess, working as well, managing now being on the road. Um, mm. How did that go? Was it a lonely time as well? Because I'd imagine you, you, you know, you, it's not as glamorous as it looks where you're, you know, flying into cities, racing, and then on a plane again and in a hotel room. Yeah, look, I actually, I've had good and bad experiences with travel um, for races and, and certainly times of feeling lonely, but that was a really great year. I, um, I sort of lucked into finding a great group of people in Loughborough, which is where um, British Athletics is based. Um, I was studying um, a master's uh, in international public health, which I could, you know, study over there. So I had great facilities you know, on campus um, where I was living over there. Um, yeah, I just had enough people around, but also enough time to myself. Um, so I actually really remember loving it. Um, but when I got back, I threw myself typically uh, into work <laughs> um, in pharmacy again. And um, I think I just was exhausted. You know, I, I would have come back and worked. I think I was working 50 hour weeks, um, which is what I'd done before I'd gone as well. But um, yeah, I just didn't have that chance to recover. And Um, I remember we were heading to Japan for the holding camp for world champs and I really was flat. Um, And I popped down to Adelaide to see Adam. I did a road race down there and, and even that, you know, he was really having to rally to get me um, ready to go for world champs. Um, And I did, you know, feel better by the end of the training camp, but I think it was just a long year and a bit too much for me in my first, you know, really sort of major season. Um, But that's all right. We learned from it. Yeah, I guess, um, was that a challenge for some of your for coaches for, to, to maybe manage you? Because you, uh, I guess, always tether between coming off as a, you know, I guess going through the ranks with your running and um, or obviously taking it seriously, but you've, you've always had um, aspirations outside of running and you're probably not the typical person that will sit still and just do what maybe other athletes like to do is just to run and then sit on the couch and wait around. Whereas I think from knowing you the last few years, I know you don't, don't handle, um, yeah, sitting still for, for long. And uh, maybe that was a challenge for, for you to kind of come to grips with is to managing that, you know, that 
level as an athlete, you need to, you know, relax. But then for you, maybe that wasn't relaxing when you had to relax, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Zach, I think um, COVID-19 um, has given me the first opportunity in my life. <laughs> genuinely um, relax and sit on the couch after a run because I don't have any other options. Um, and I've really tried to, to do that well. And, um, you know, it's, I've really needed the rest in recovery um, just in terms of life at the moment as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's been so challenging. Um, Adam, I guess because he was with me from the beginning, he, he sort of took that straight on board um, but then when I transitioned to Rob, um, Denmark, you know, Rob definitely found it just confusing. He couldn't work out why was I working so much when I was actually earning quite well through running. Yeah. Um, and you know, even that's a question sort of recently I've asked myself as well, but, um, I think the reality of being our age in, um, and wanting to buy a property in, you know, in a big city is that you kind of need to work pretty hard to um, save for an income or save for a, um, a home deposit. And, um, you know, the apartment I'm in, I, I saved, you know, individually for, and um, that's just part of something that was important to me to get to own a place. And, um, you know, I definitely was burning the candle at both ends, um, but Rob used to find it really difficult to kind of understand why I was doing it. And, and with him being, um, you know, based in the UK and me in Australia, um, that was, that was tricky um, for us to navigate. Um, and I'll probably say the same thing for Craig. I think um, I must be one of Craig's big frustrations in life sometimes. Um, I think whatever he learns from his time coaching me, all, um, you know, I'd like to think it will help him in the future. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of moments that he just thinks, what on earth is she doing? Um, and times as well. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah, we've, the last few months have given me a chance to kind of sit back and think about what really is essentially my life to do and what's not. And, and I do plan to um, you know, just enjoy the running a bit more, which you, you can do when you, you know, have the chance to recover. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a frustration for coaches and yeah. every sport crew around. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is that balance because you obviously love things outside of running. I mean, we, you know, you know, I, I don't hear you sort of banging on a lot about running. Like you will sort of, we'll go for a run, but it'll be talking about a lot of other things outside of running. And I think it's, um, it is just different for, for different people where they're not always fixated about um, the sport. And it's, I guess it's refreshing that you have this, um, you know, have things outside of running, but um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a double-edged sword in some respects when, um, when it comes to coaches. Yeah. And, yeah. It is. I think it's a real blessing and a curse. And, um, you know, it was a blessing for me last year um, because I found that I coped quite well with, you know, a forced time away from running after the surgery. Um, but at the same time, you know, my response throughout that period was to work my normal Monday to Friday job um, with a, farm a pharmacy consulting company and then to go and work overnight shifts <laughs> as well um, at a, a pharmacy attached to the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Um, I think, you know, I was working 60 to 65 hour weeks or something, which with, with overnight shifts in yeah. there. So, you know, that was quite clearly not the most um, logical 
thing to do. Um, Poss and possibly the all, all or nothing approach that you might have. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember, you know, just seeing it as an opportunity for me to earn, you know, some extra money for savings and whatever. And um, look, it was okay given my, my training wasn't um, obviously super significant, but, you know, probably wasn't the best thing for recovery either. So, look, I'm still learning. And, and, and when I say things to some of the, you know, the boys we train with and um, to my athletes, you know, it's, it's, I say it because it's a reminder for me as well um, yeah. of, you know, just having a look at things and trying to get the balance right. Yeah. So just going back to where we were um, leading into, so 2015 was a big year. And um, I guess, and, and we just touched on that being, um, full-time, working full-time, leading a lot of maybe listeners aren't aware that a lot of Olympians do have to supplement um, training with work. And you were obviously um, working pretty much your full-time leading into Rio. Yeah, so I um, was working in community pharmacy, which um, you, you know, quite literally stand up the entire day. Mm. Um, and I would have been working, I was working between a few pharmacies, but yeah, 45 hours or so a week yeah well and then training you had a um a few stints away or holding camp beforehand mm, i did um i'd never been on like a training camp as such that wasn't um associated with a major championship so i always went you know with athletics australia until 2017 i went on my first training camp um but yeah i'd, I'd sort of had that and and i've been so lucky to have amazing bosses over the years so um i was able to kind of go away on these camps or races or, you know, whatever I had and then come back and my hours would still be at the pharmacy. Um, and, you know, I guess, again, sometimes I'd feel guilty, which was never forced upon me at all, but I'd feel guilty for how long I'd been away. And so I'd offer up <laughs> extra availability <laughs> and I just, you know, that, that hole was very deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so when you're on these, on the road and you're in, you know, glamorous cities, did, did it, did it feel like work though? Like, was it almost like where you fly in and just, you know, you go to a diamond league and it's just like, Oh yeah, well, this is cool. It's another race hotel. And, um, or, you know, was it what you maybe had pictured it would be like, or yeah. How, how was that experience? Um, to be honest, I think all the races that I went into feeling like I'd prepared well for, I enjoyed. Um, some of the hotels are amazing. Um, you know, some of the athletes you get to be with are amazing. I um, am quite close with um, Danny Samuels and um, Catherine Mitchell, um, two of our amazing throwers, and I often got to room with them. And, um, you know, you have a few days hanging out with a girlfriend. Like, it's, it's fantastic. Um, the races that I didn't enjoy and, you know, still find hard to enjoy are the ones that you kind of go to and you don't feel like you're ready to go. Um, yeah. And those I've always found stressful and um you know obviously you don't enjoy the process quite as much but um overseas certainly you know 15 and 16 um I think I you know it was a dream it was incredible opportunities to um to just get to be there yeah and that set you up um running those times getting the qualifiers and then um yeah taking the, the national title in the steeple um Got you, got you the spots in the in um, the Australian team to go to the Olympics. That mm. was that. Um, so you got the phone call. Is that how it works? Or no, I because I had the times and I won the trial. Mm. I knew as I went over the line that I was going to be announced that night. Um, 
And, and that was really important to me to get to feel that. Um, I actually had a calf tear <laughs> for that race and physio understandably didn't want me to race, but um, sort of opportunity to feel like that was really important to me and something I thought was worth the risk. And um, I think it did set me back a little bit, but it still gave me that, that you know, that moment that I won't forget. So I'm, I wouldn't, wouldn't change that for the world, um, but it did mean I had a bit of downtime afterwards. Um, but yeah, I was able to finish the race, go and hug everybody, know I was going to Rio. Um, we went back to the hotel and had some bubbly and, you know, then went to the party where they officially name you. So um, it was you know, an amazing day. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so you were booked for, for Rio. Um, getting, I mean, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot about the village and, um, you know, the, I, I guess I want to go there around the opening ceremony. Um, <laughs> the, the facilities, the perks, like, you know, it, it, tell us in, you know, a few words what that was for you, like that experience where you got to march um, into the stadium um, and, yeah, just oh, experience of being in a Well, I mean, we didn't. We, were, uh, we weren't there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we were in, I didn't go to the opening ceremony or the closing ceremony, to be honest. Um, we were in the holding camp and in Florida and we walked around. We had it on the telly and we all walked around an empty track, athletics track, wow. and that there were fans in the on the stands which of course they weren't it was an empty track mm. and um, we were all dressed up and, and that was our opening ceremony and then our closing ceremony um to be honest I was somewhere yeah. on Copenhagen beach with too many cocktails and by the <laughs> <laughs> and by the time we got back the buses had gone and um I didn't go um, to the closing ceremony either. And, and a lot of the, um, you know, the Australians who'd been before also decided not to go. So we just kind of had a party at, um, in the village, which um, I preferred. It was, was pouring rain. It was a miserable night. But, um, yes, yeah, so I've got no story for either of them. But um, the village was great. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing. Um, I do remember Glasgow opening ceremony, and that was really special because um, you know Adam was there and Jess as well, who was coaching too. So um, you know that was great. But yeah, Rio was um, you know to some extent is business. Um, I had that great last day, but other than that, you know, I really was in a bubble. Um, saw my family, you know, briefly, um, but from that it was it was kind of ticking the boxes and and you know they were amazing obviously and I'm, I was you know the, well without a doubt the the best competitions I've had of my career um but yeah I'll have to um see if I can go to another opening ceremony yeah. soon well yeah 2021 now isn't it yeah yeah I um so you you know just on that um Olympics and we won't go through in heavy detail around the, how those races panned out but you did have um heats to prepare for and then there was a gaps and and obviously the heat to there must have been a lot of challenges thrown in um and then um your body was possibly um not responding too well to the to some of the heats on the track um how did you sort of pull yourself together in that environment knowing that uh, yeah you weren't 100 percent? just putting every little ounce of faith in the people around me um Adam was one of the team coaches as well. Um, and so he was responsible for everything. And if anyone knows Adam, they know he, um, you know, he has spreadsheets and, and every little part of the process organized to a T. So, you know, Adam knew what time I was waking up. He'd meet me down downstairs. He'd take me to the bus. Um, you know, the physiologist had organized whatever the ice that was going to be there. Um, sports psych was there. Um, you know, you're, you're micromanaged. Um, so there really wasn't 
anything to worry about other than just being in the race. And, and obviously that's, you know, the part that we're meant to know how to do well. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a race plan. I did by this stage also have um, Rob um, Denmark and um, David Harmer as well, who were two um, Great Britain coaches who were helping me a lot and had been helping kind of in the six months beforehand because I'd been based in the UK with them. Um, and so I, you know, between the between the coaches I always had someone with me so if Adam was still in Florida I think he was there for the first few days um you know when I arrived in Rio Rob was there um and in the village as well so yeah look all I did was run um you know had everyone around me they told me who was in the race gave me the tactics yeah <laughs> I was just um yeah all I had to do was you know just just follow their plan and and in that setup like I look at that and I hear, hear how you've, you've got the team around you and everything's um, so well organised and down to a T. So when you, you go through the call room and then you're out on the stadium and it's just left to you, um, you know, is that a liberating kind of feeling? Do you kind of go, okay, I get, to, I get to put this on show now or do you feel lonely? Like, wow, this is like, I don't have anyone around it. All the expectations are on me and, myself my own expectations the sport support team friends family like how do you sort of manage that um that feeling i guess of being on the track on the start line um ready to go um i hate (laughs) the you know five minutes before a race more than any moment um than any moment i absolutely hate it um Every, without a doubt, you know, when I walk onto a track, I have the thoughts of, do I want to be here? Um, you know, I've had times where I've promised myself it's the last time I have to do it. Mm. Um, I think it's just all those fears. Um, but, you know, then you've, you've, I've always got some, something to counter that. Um, and that's obviously where, you know, the stuff comes in and, and coaches of reminding you, yep, I've done the work. Yep, you want to be here. Um, yes, I know what to do when the gun goes off. Um, and all those disappear the second the gun goes i think it's just you know waiting you're holding your breath and uh, and then once the gun goes you know what to do but uh, i'm always the awkward person who doesn't know how many strides to do and uh, (laughs) i i yeah i'm I'm a bit lost in that space and again that's obviously in progress um (laughs) i know i've experienced i've been on a couple of races recently with you up the gold coast and um i've seen (laughs) Pre-race, um, yeah, last ten minutes, the first hand. Yeah, my twenty twenty times to the toilet and <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> but look, it's you know, and it's I guess it's refreshing to hear from you know at, at your level and all levels where you know it is um, it's it's really nerve wracking and you've got to get into trying to get into some level of routine and um, what works for you, but it's it's mm. always a challenge. Um, yeah, sure. it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So those highs and then you come off that um, bit of a, a post-event sort of let down or like come down from that event? Is that you get back and it's sort of like, okay, what next? I've run the PBs, made finals. Um, how, do I, how do I get myself going again? Is there ever that, is there a bit of a moment like that? Yeah, there definitely is sometimes. I think after Rio, I didn't really have that. Um, after Rio, I actually went back to Europe quickly and did a few races and they went well. Um, but I also made the decision to fully um, transfer to Rob as a coach. And I think just that change meant that I, I sort of escaped that, you know, that, that mm. down. Because um, obviously when, you know, you've got something new and exciting, you're, you're looking forward to it. Um, and 
you know, the training was similar, but different. We probably um, had a little bit, uh, we were a little ambitious with what mileage I could handle. And we learned that quickly, which I guess that's when the down came, you know, when you've yeah. sort of made this big change, I'd moved to Melbourne. I'd made the decision finally to uh, not look for work when I moved to Melbourne, um, which was the first time ever that I, I hadn't worked. <laughs> um, and, you know, when things are going well, when all you do is get up in the morning and go for a run and then, you know, go for coffee with your girlfriends who are also runners and lay around for a few hours and then go for an evening run. You know, it's, it's yeah. great when that's all you've got to do in a day. Yeah. Um, but I think it place or certainly for me meant that I wanted to get more out of all of those runs, which is not what you can do, obviously. Mm. Um, and it also meant that when things inevitably did unravel, you know, you got a niggle or a more serious injury, um, that was really difficult because, you know, by moving to Melbourne and just doing that, it, it had become for the first time ever, um, you know, what my identity was. Mm. Um, and so I definitely found that really tricky. Um, but you know, then again, the ups come. So I, I went to Flagstaff for the first time ever and, um, I'd never been to altitude. I'd never gone up to, um, Falls Creek. Um, so, you know, I went over to America, uh, spent quite a long time there, ran a great 10 K got to run it pre classic, you know, all these big races that, you know, you, you hope to get to, um, to line up at eventually. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't have sort of a, a downer after Rio It was more just kind of, I guess, you know, the injury cycle that um probably continued really after after you know what the weeks leading into rio were for me so yeah because yeah. i mean you, you had a good year still it was just up and down like you went to world champs ran uh 15 13 i mean you didn't advance to the yeah. final which running 15 13 no. is a bit rough but uh <laughs> um yeah but yeah, like I'm guess I'm I'm sort of reading into this that um, maybe yeah you also found that that challenge of maybe being a full time um, athlete wasn't really your your thing and what made you yeah it obviously had some issues off the back of that maybe pushing too hard in sessions or not having that yeah. outlet. I think that's what it was. I think you know 2017 I had never planned to become a 5k, 10k runner at the world champs. I intended to run the steeplechase. Um, but I just, I had uh, plantaris issues and Achilles issues on my landing leg. And we started to realize steeple wasn't really going to be the right thing for that year. And, um, you know, I've, I've actually not returned to the steeple. So yeah. uh, for really injury reasons, mostly, uh, well, really. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a great opportunity to get to go and run a 5k and a 10k. Um, but, you know, I started to steer me off the course of what, you know, had been the original plan. Um, and I think it was just also the first time that it all kind of started to catch up with me. Mm. Um, yeah, just, I think I was exhausted and, and didn't have a chance to really let the training absorb and, you know, let the emotions of what 2016 was absorb either. Yes, it's always that thing. You just keep pushing and chasing and then it just um, it maybe unraveled for you. Yeah, I waited till I was really proper broken. <laughs> I don't recommend yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. True runner, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. you did, get, you did uh, set your sight on um, Gold Coast Com Games, um, mm -hmm. home, home games, um, 5K and 10K. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got what I've got here is eighth in the ten k and tenth in the five. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So probably my low light of my five k. Yeah. Um, 
good, yeah. Your prep, um, I know, was hampered uh, with some issues because I was at the time uh, in the training group and mm-hmm. I saw the struggles that you went through. Um, so, yeah, maybe just expand on, on how that um, Com Games went. Yeah, gosh. I mean, getting to be at Com Games, Gold Coast was, you know, on par with what the Olympics was for me, even though my performance wasn't quite the same. Um, it was so cool to, to be a part of a meet in, in Australia. And, you know, I'd come very close to being um, in Melbourne Com Games in 2006 as well. So this was the opportunity for me to do that. And there was no way in hell I wasn't going to be there. Um, but, yeah, the, the lead-in was <laughs> traumatic. <laughs> um, I, I missed the 10K. I had the time, obviously, for the 10, but wasn't up and running by December when the trial was. And then I think, you know, January, I just got back running. You and I went to a race in Tassie um, with the one that, you know, was certainly showed I still had a lot of work to do. And and then I mean, what we squeezed into six weeks, I somehow got, you know, a spot on the <laughs> in the team, came second at the trial and, and then had this opportunity of six or seven weeks until Com Games. And um, I think, again, that balance was probably not quite right. Um, by this time, I was working full time again. So... That was, you know, tricky, but also, you know, Rob and I, and, and by now <laughs> we, we joined forces with Craig as well. Um, and Craig was sort of more um, assisting, I guess, and Rob was guiding the program. I think we just squeezed too much in. Um, and we, we kind of had to because we we're so far behind, but, you know, it's, it's so hard when you're playing catch up to get the balance right. And I think I ran my race maybe a week or two before <laughs> the actual yeah. race. I had some amazing training sessions, which, I mean, I'll never replicate. Um, they were just incredible, some of the 1K yeah. sessions I had them the other day. But, um, yeah, look, I still got to be there. And, um, you know, I was really happy with my 10K race. 5K was, you know, never want to think about it. And I hope no <laughs> one had But, um, you know, I still, I still got to tick the box. and It was so worth it. Um, yeah. And that was probably the first team that I've been on where I do feel like even in the moment I was much better at, at enjoying it mm. um you know it's hard when you've got more than one race um particularly if you're not wrapped in the first one you know you've got to regroup for the next um and obviously i didn't regroup well but i still let myself enjoy being in the village and um yeah, yeah I've got a lot of positives to take from there for sure i mean personally seeing it, how gallant those performances were because um it's not easy when you um, I guess when you watch someone go through the process and the training they do and then the, the hurdles and, and for outside viewers who maybe just aren't aware of their training and what you've been through, they can just sort of look at a result on a piece of paper or, or watch the race and go, oh, that's, you know, that's a bit of a subpar effort. I thought they would have. But until you know the details, and that's, that's always yeah. the thing, isn't it, with, with running, everyone's got their own story and the way they get to the line and, um, yeah, personally seeing that, like, yeah, I think it was one of your prouder um, moments from, you know, from watching you afar, um, yeah. watching you closely. Yeah, that was, that must have been a proud moment to, to do what Thanks, you did. Zachary. Yeah, and I think your comment is so true. And, and, you know, I've absolutely been someone who's looked at people's results in previous years and thought, oh, geez, what happened to them? And yeah. um, I don't know if it's age or experience or what, you know, yeah. but I... Um, I'm starting to realise as well, you just have no idea what has gone on with someone, um, you know, in the build-up to that to that race and, and that's in terms of training but also just life stresses and, um, you know, most people are aware I've had a pretty, <laughs> I'd like to put reset on 2020 entirely. 
<laughs> it's been brutal. Yeah. Um, can you do that for everyone? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. We can do it for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's been one of those times where I've, you know, really seen that firsthand of, of what effect stress, life stress and, um, you know, just external factors can have on you. And, and in all honesty, I think most of my issues in running have actually come as a result of it, externals, you know, stress just um, building up and, and yeah. obviously there's an effect um, sure. on what you're doing physically. Well, yeah, and, and at the level you're at where you're pushing your body to its limits physically and then carrying external stresses, um, yeah, it, it can really um, obviously have an impact on, on the body um, and ultimately it did where um, it got to the point where I remember chatting to you and then I think you said, look, I'm actually, I'm going to have to go and get some, <laughs> some surgery um, and yeah. I'm going to have to get on a plane and go to Finland. Mm -hmm. uh, that was in 2019. Take us back. When was that in fact? Was that early? Yeah, um, it was mid-March 2019, so just over okay. 12 months ago. Yeah, well, um, it's gone quick. <laughs> yeah, and and yes, I'd, I'd had these um, proximal hamstring tendinopathy on both legs, uh, bilateral, um, for, you know, 12 months or so leading up. Um, and, you know, I think I imagine you noticed it, and I know the boys did as well, um, my enjoyment of running, you know, disappeared. Um, yeah. It was find joy in, you know, something that was so painful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'd, I remember I'd, I'd head off to training and um, in my mind, I'd think, okay, you know, just enjoy what you can do today. And I'd have all these mantras, but, um, you know, it's really difficult to do it when you sort of, you know, I'd turn up and I'd try to be kind to myself, but realistically I needed to be performing a little bit better because, you know, I did have races coming up and um, I think it, in the early stages, I wasn't good at communicating quite the level of pain and pain that I was in and the restriction that the hammies were causing. Um, and so that was, you know, I'm sure frustrating for Craig and, and, you know, really for everybody, Athletics Australia, <laughs> uh, you know, my strength coach, everybody, because I, I was trying to be honest, but I th don't think I'd quite um, comprehended how bad it was. Um, yeah. The hamstrings would be so sore and, and you would have again seen me, you know, I'd get out of a car and around for you know 20 <laughs> swinging my legs and yeah. uh, you know I started to get to training like an hour before the sessions so yeah like, just do everything which is I just you know thought you so were punctual. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I'm not at all <laughs> no yeah. I um yeah I mean you know I I really did try but um look we we kind of exhausted all avenues in terms of you know rest and um uh physio and strength and all the sort of standard things that most people you know, do find some improvement with. Um, and yeah, off I headed to Europe, which was, um, you know, probably one of the better decisions I've made in, in the last while. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, um, obviously going through that and then having to go through the, the recovery and the rehab of, of all that. And, um, I guess it did it, um, I guess then getting back to even the walk jogs that you would have had to go through and the, the slow build your perspective on running, um, just being able to move again, did that change from, from yeah. what? Yeah, it did. The, the three months or so before surgery were without a doubt the worst um, three months of my running career. And, and to be honest, probably everything, you know, it was just a dark patch of kind of not really understanding why I wasn't enjoying running and, um, you know, wondering if I ever would run pain-free again to any extent and 
not knowing whether I should pull the pin or keep trying. And, um, you know, they, they were awful. But um, I, I just have had a really great last 12 months. I've had one or two setbacks. But um, the first three to six months after surgery were fantastic. I loved them. Um, just that concept of setting goals and, um, you know, ticking the box and improving and being patient and, yeah, yeah just doing movement. Um, I, I really got to, um, I guess, I got the chance to go back to basics and, and really understand, like, what it was about running that I loved and what it gave me. And, um, yeah, I've, I was just so appreciative of mm. every little step I took. Um, and I, I think I really did and do believe that the surgery will work um, and has worked. Um, and so I've never doubted that I would be able to get back to the level that I, you know, hope to. Um, I just was obviously very conscious of the time frame that I had from, you know, March 2019 to, um, to what was going to be an Olympics in 2020. So that was the only kind of, I guess, slightly right. stressed, you know, aspect. But um, at the same time, I knew that I couldn't force it. So if it fit, it fit. And if it didn't, so bit. Yeah. And that's obviously um, that, that's been made a bit easier um, with... Well, the pressure's a little yeah. bit taken off a little bit now that the, um, the qualification uh, periods have been extended and the games have been um, changed into a later date. Um, yeah. Just on that little comeback, I, I remember you you did a bit of a fun run tour. You went to Bridge to Brisbane, <laughs> the Gold Coast, Sydney, Run Melbourne, Melbourne Marrow. Like, it must have been fun going back to those events. And I think you touched on it earlier when you were probably going through the ranks as a runner. You, maybe had that I guess and as we all do as have an identity as a runner in our times and where we believe we should finish and what times should go against our name and I guess you you must have um, had to dispose of all that and and deal with Mm -hmm. just going out and enjoying running and for what it is and um, yeah that must have been an an interesting time for you. Yeah it was um um it was i i deliberately picked farms i'd never been to so um never done the 10k at bridge to brisbane and you know run melbourne and whichever other ones i did so that was one criteria um but yeah the other thing was to kind of really have a plan of what i hoped to run um and stick to that um it definitely meant i had to get rid of any any ego that i had um and accept that you know if someone was going to try to run whatever you know 36 minutes or something and if if i didn't feel ready for it i wasn't allowed to go um i do remember though having said all of that you know being in the start line and having people come up and say oh wow you know are you going to run 31 today and i'd say no 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 to run 37 and um i think sort of verbalizing that made me feel like people would judge me less um there were challenges with that and you know I remember um you know sort of saying I'm actually really happy with that that was better than what I could do before and um yeah so that was that was absolutely you know a time that I had to kind of accept where I was at but um it was also a a chance to kind of um realize which voices I valued and which ones I didn't um you know I knew that the people who had who were aware of my process kind of knew what my goals were for that race and anyone who was going to have an issue with me returning from surgery and running 37 minutes well you know I really their words weren't going to mean a whole lot to me so um yeah I think I I was able to enjoy all of that actually it was it was great I loved being there again I just I loved yeah having the chance to 
just be out there and, and sure. you know, be yeah. And I think there's a good lesson in there for people who um, do, you know, come off injuries or when they're coming back and maybe not where they where they probably were at or where they want to be at. And it's just, I guess, um, like you said, just taking the perspective of, you know, you've been fortunate that you're back running and just taking it um, as it comes and probably just detaching yourself around um, away from those, those sort of, um, I guess, those expectations you have on yourself or you feel like other people have on you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just thinking, I remember doing a session with you around, um, you know, Olympic park, and it was something like, you know, three minute reps. And I think we're running them at four minute pace, four minute. Yeah. Okay. Which obviously, you know, for me would normally not be very fast. Mm. <laughs> um, but I remember, you know, being really proud and excited by all the progressions as well. Um, and if you'd, you know, move that a year either side, I, I would be mortified um, <laughs> by running. But, you know, it's kind of about just, yeah, realizing the moment you're in and just doing the best with what you can then. Um, yeah. yeah, this last year's given me the opportunity to really do that because I had no other choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and quickly on to, I mean, it's probably too early to talk about events you're going to aim at. Um, I guess for now, 2021 is, is in the calendar and you just now just take it week by week and, and start, to, start to reassess how that, um, that build-up looks. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the postponement of the Olympics couldn't work more strongly in my favour. Mm. Um, you know, uh, obviously for, you know, health reasons, then it wasn't viable to have an Olympics in 2020. Um, and it was inevitable that it was going to be cancelled. But, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't yeah. uh, excited by <laughs> the chance to have the opportunity to be there in 2021. And, um, you know, I've been pretty open about what I've been through in the last few months. And, um, you know, the easiest way to explain it on a podcast is to say my name is, you know, return to Madeline Heiner. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the changes that come with that, um, you know, no matter how well you, you handle them, they're exhausting. Sure. Um, I think, you know, timeline, potentially, my, you know, my hamstrings are doing really well. Um, I'm really happy with, you know, what I'm able to do in training at the moment. Um, so I feel like the hammies were not going to be the problem this year. Um, you know, it was going to be everything else that was happening off the track, which, you know, just takes time. Um, yeah. And now I have that time. So, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited for um, the opportunity to have a crack at 2021. And, you know, there's going to be lots of athletes that it works in their favour. And there's going to be some who, you know, maybe was planning to start a family or, you know, go down another path next year and, and, you know, adds, adds a curveball for them. But, you know, it's, for me, it's, it's given me an opportunity. So in terms of what event you, it's a good question because it opens a door that I had closed. <laughs> um, you no. know, it, there was no <laughs> chance. Yeah. I, I hadn't considered anything other than the 5k for this year. Um, and, you know, it, it may open doors. Um, you know, my hammies will be stronger in, in 12 months' time. Maybe steeple is an option again. Um, you know, maybe I do get the chance to have a go at a 10K again. I haven't really done that many seriously. So um, I think, you know, currently the, the focus is just on consistency and almost operating at 80 to 90%, um, particularly while 
you know, treatment is quite limited. Um, you know, it's not really worth the risk of me tipping that balance right now. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking to get a couple of months of running in and, um, you know, get sort of my energy back in, in terms of everything and, you know, put a bit of weight back on and just get every equilibrium back where it should be and, and, sure. you know, running happy, which I think I'm there. And, um, yeah, just enjoying the next 12 months. So I don't know what, no one knows what their goals are at the moment. Oh, do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that you've, yeah, you've been able to sort of, um, yeah, I guess reset those and, and look at, um, you know, look forward in a really positive way. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I mean, um, and we talked about, and I'm, I'm probably going to swing the conversation away from running, um, for now and just talk about, um, you mentioned, um, working you're, you're a pharmacist but also work in a pharmacy consulting um mm-hmm. business. and i guess for for um for runners um you know probably didn't realize that before listening earlier that you do um work full time i guess how how do you go about managing your time because um i know you know running and and at your level at anyone's level does take um its toll probably physically as mm. well as mentally like do you use it as an outlet as well sometimes or is it business when you t- put on the running shoes? Is it like, okay, this is my, I'm an hour runner type thing and then go back and you're in the office <laughs> and you're in office. Um, yeah. Look, I, I think that because so much of our running is easy running and you can do with a friend or do it at a pretty relaxed pace. Um, most of the time with that, I, I use it the same way most people do as a stress relief and, um, uh, you know, I obviously have a set number of minutes that I'm planning to run for, but, um, you know, most of the week I can, I can really use it as just a, a joyous kind of experience. Um, obviously sessions is totally different. And, um, you know, I, I think I can be pretty intense <laughs> sometimes in sessions and, you know, people know not to, not to really try to, like Craig always tries to get me to smile when I'm doing a session. Poor, poor guy gets a growl from me most of the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, sessions or, um, you know, more focused moments, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, head on and it's, and it's business, but, um, the rest of the time, I think, you know, I'm, I'm like most runners just, just get it done. And some days, you know, life catches up and you don't get it done. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, isolation is, uh, given a chance to kind of think about how, you know, what changes I'll make in the coming months. And, um, I think, you know, I will put a much more of a focus on recovery and, um, and rest. And, you know, even I've got into yoga in the last few weeks and taking a little bit more responsibility for my body maintenance, um, rather than just expecting massage. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think I, I try to, you know, know what needs to be done in the day, which is obviously work and whatever the training is. Um, but you know, it's also, important to kind of squeeze in the social side of, of life as well. So um, I think it's just about having priorities and um, yeah, just getting through the week that way. Yeah, because you, you are social and you, you sort of do, um, uh, obviously right now it's a, a bit harder to get out and about, but you do um, <laughs> you do like to, you know, obviously you've got pickles, the, uh, the wonder pug that you can, uh, you know, obviously I think you're often buying him new outfits and... <laughs> You can get out yes. and do a walk with him. And, um, but the other thing is, you know, you've got your cooking and it's, it's really important you've got balance. And uh, I know you've done some work also with the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the run on Melbourne and run um, Melbourne Marathon. You were in the, um, yes. in the run for refugees top. And that's something you're passionate about. Um, can you maybe, mm-hmm. how did that come about? 
that sort of affiliation? Gosh, well, I mean, I guess, you know, in the time that I, that I took off from running from 2006 to 13, um, I, I, you know, spent a bit of time traveling around um, different parts of Africa. Um, and, you know, I've since spent some time in, in West Africa as well. And I, I guess, you know, I've, I've had a pretty significant interest in developing countries with a focus on Africa. Um, you know, then my master's, I did international public health, again, looking at um, health in developing countries. And so I've always been interested in, in those types of um, organisations. Um, the AS is based in Footscray, which is not far from where I live. Um, and I really, I actually went to a volunteer session with them um, to see if I, my work as a pharmacist would be of use. Yeah. Um, and they started to talk about, you know, their um, Run for Refugees fundraiser. Um, and I kind of saw an avenue there. So, um, so far, my role with them has really just to obviously be an ambassador and, you know, run some training sessions and, um, you know, go in and, and sort of be there when they're having their lunches. They have, you know, it's just an incredible place to be and they um, have refugees and volunteers um, cooking and, you know, people come in and are able to access all sorts of services that they're not able to access. Um, they actually do have a health clinic now as well with pharmacists. Oh, fantastic, yeah. <laughs> Something I'm, I'm looking at um, being involved as, as much as I can um, in that role as well, which would be you know, really rewarding, I think. But um, yeah, it's just something that I, I was really interested in. Um, the people who work there, obviously, you know, have got such incredible stories. So um, yeah, it's something I'd, I'd really like to continue to be involved with. Um, before that, I actually had, had a role at um, Hepatitis Victoria um, in a bit of a public health role, but also helping them as a pharmacist in terms of um, implementing some uh, training programs uh, for okay. community. So, yeah, I kind of like to be able to, I don't know, utilise my skills in different ways. And yeah, um, right. I think in those roles, you know, as much as you're technically volunteering and giving to other people, I feel like you get so much from it yourself that it's, you know, it's not a selfless act at all. Um, you know, I, 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 you get to feel very good by doing it too. Yeah. So yeah, I get plenty out of it as well. Yeah. And that's also, um, you know, as we move on to that, and you've started with... Um, started coaching and um, I remember getting in touch with you about a year ago and um, we talked about, um, yeah, getting you involved as a coach at um, Run to PB. Um, how are you finding that? And you've got a few athletes and you've been able to impart, you know, years of running. Um, are you enjoying that side of coaching? Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, I just, I can't, I can't could describe how exciting it is when I get a text message from someone and they tell me they've run a PB. Um, even though we, we had um, a bit of a virtual 5k over the last, um, you know, few days, just to try to give, you know, some stimulus to people while no one can race. And yeah. I got so many text messages. Most people did it on a Friday, some did it on a Saturday. And um, it's just so rewarding seeing people enjoy their running and um, achieve exactly what I am. I know on a different scale, but you know, that, surprised or um just the excitement you get from achieving something you didn't think you could um and so yeah i absolutely love it i've got a really uh you know open kind of conversation with all my athletes they all have my text me and my phone number and um text me and most of them are very cautious at the beginning and i insist yeah. please me you know i'd really like to to know how you're going and um you know now we've got a really open conversation so um, I love it um, and I think it's actually been really good in the last few weeks to kind of have them to to speak with um, and you know to also encourage but uh, as they kind of navigate this <laughs> unusual yeah. space well and um, 
yeah, you know, get feedback of oh, that, that run was fantastic. Life's really stressful at the moment, but you know, at least I've got my running, and it's kind of a reminder that I get to take on board as well. Um, so yeah, I love it for having me, Zaka. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fantastic, and I think um, it's it was part of the vision when we wanted to, I guess, um, bridge that gap or that maybe that perception that elite runners or Olympians and that don't really can't connect with the everyday runner because we all go through this and, and as runners, we all go through the same challenges. And I think we've touched on those, those days where, you know, it's it, no matter how fast you are, there's days where you don't want to get out the door or there's struggle with motivation. And I think it's important that there isn't that, um, that disconnect between top level runners and everyday runners because we're all going through different challenges. And um, yeah. yeah, I think it's really important that that's, that message is carried through, through, through coaching. And I guess through, you know, having a connection with um, other runners. Yeah. And look, I'm, you know, the first to say that I feel like I align much more with recreational runners than elite runners. Um, I've just never, I, maybe it's, you know, that I didn't really grow up in the, um, you know, high performance sporting space, but I really do love the community um, side of running far more than I love the elite side. Um, yeah. and I'm, it's not a surprise to many people who know me, but I'm, I'm just comfortable in that space. So I, I really enjoy, um, you know, being down at a park run or being at a fun run and um, yeah, just, just getting that feedback from people who are just enjoying running. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah Connect more. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Hey, um, I've, we've been going a while now so i don't want i want to get let you get back to um whatever you're up to in isolation puzzling i've seen is um i'm renovating over. still oh, okay. yeah <laughs> renovating yeah nice. so I'm, I'm kind of moving some rooms around and i uh, finished the balcony but um oh, wow. there's so might see you on the block soon yeah look um <laughs> look, people at bunnings who have um had me approach them with very very simple questions um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I won't um i won't will not describe what's been um yeah some of my questions but um yeah <laughs> any shows but hopefully i i managed to drill some holes in the wall and, <laughs> and like, nice mm. one hey um we do usually finish up these interviews with a bit of a fun hypothetical um and one i've got for you because i know you've traveled a lot and raced overseas done a lot of training camps um and I guess you've had the highs and lows of um, being in, in altitude houses with people and um, getting to see their, their best and maybe worst sides. Um, but I want to talk about some athletes and, and let's, let's go with three athletes. Um, so here's a hypothetical. If you could actually mm -hmm. set up a training camp anywhere in the world, um, let's call it altitude or you can go anywhere actually. Um, doesn't need to be altitude three other athletes and also a bag carrier, maybe someone that can massage, maybe someone that um, can give you some guidance as a coach. Um, but yeah, who right. would you take? Well, I was going to make Craig um, be my bag carrier. <laughs> well, I haven't mentioned the surname. It is Craig Mottram, but now that you've said coach, I feel like he should have, um, <laughs> let's see bag carrier and coach. Um, yeah. Athletes, I'm going to take M Brickacek. Um, yeah time with her in Canberra late last year and obviously I've known her a lot before then but um she's awesome value so definitely M. Um Russell Chin. Um <laughs> yes he would be very entertaining on the trip. He is just entertaining. Um so Russell can come. Um what else am I looking at? Oh a treatment. I'll take Gary Howard. Actually some of these are going to cross over. I'm going to take Gary Howard. Um, <laughs> 
who's coach of run crew, so he can kind of be coach as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, what, about a month ago, he came around to my sister's place and gave me a massage in the backyard under the trees with a glass of wine. So that, <laughs> nice. I don't need to say anything else. He's a pretty decent masseur as well, but, you yeah. know, just for the wine yeah. aspect, he can come. <laughs> um, and last, last athlete will be Lockie Chisholm. Um, yeah. the son of my first coach and, um, yeah, very good friend, lucky. Awesome. That'd be a good crew. And where would you go? Um, oh, we're going to my grandparents' farm. Um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot else to do, so it's probably a great training environment. Um, nice. but it's in Berrigan, which is on the New South Wales Vic border. Okay. And yeah, it's just beautiful dirt roads and my favorite place to run. Ah, oh, so you can pick up a few Strava segments. Well, you're not on Strava, but, um, you can go yeah. chase some, uh, some course records around there. I don't know. Do you need internet for that? I don't think there's internet in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that'll make the trip even more exciting with... Uh, yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll see how many, how many of those friendships are still there when we come out of this trip. Yeah, exactly. All right, Mads, thanks for your time. And I'll, um, I'll let you go. But um, yeah, really appreciate your time and uh, yeah, letting the listeners in on your journey thus far. No worries. I'll see you out for a run soon.